Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Get your Bible out, turn to Matthew 13 for me. Are you ready for the word? Come on, somebody, that's why we come. Listen, I don't know what brings you to church, but you need the word. You need to come and grab the word. It is our foundation that we build on for our life. It is the thing that guides us. In fact, today we are going to really talk about that, how important that is. And, and I titled my message today, Bring Back the Bible. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at just what God's put on my heart for 2020. And we have been looking the last two weeks. Uh, doing, I did some messages called Go, G for Generosity, what God did through us through the generosity of people and, and of God in 2019, and oh, opportunity, what does that look like for 2020? And I've said before, I'll say it, hopefully every week I'll say it, that 2020 is our first fruit year for the decade. I think 2020 is super significant, um, not just for this year, but for these next 10 years in our church, in our country, in our culture. And I want, I want you to come along the journey with us. I want you to look at 2020 as a first fruit year. So throughout the year, you'll hear things like worship nights. You saw the Chandler Moore. I'm just telling you, you don't want to miss the worship night with Chandler Moore. And if you don't know who that is, you can go Google it. But if you don't know who that is and you trust us, come on, trust us and come on out. That's going to be a powerful night. So we're going to do things throughout the year like that, as well as more fasting, as well as more corporate prayer, um, because we really believe the power and importance of first fruits. So this is a first fruit year. I hope that's the case, will be the case for your family as well, leading into this next decade, honestly. One of the things I felt led to speak on this morning, uh, really kind of just coming off of last week, is this dynamic of really what, how how are we going to make change? How are we going to impact? The opportunity in front of us is to position ourselves to impact an emerging generation. And we talked about, not to review it all, but we talked about the significance of those over 40 and those under 40, and how we're in a new generation, a new culture is, is constantly coming up, and how the church needs to shift to connect or they become irrelevant. I believe that this is a first fruit year for positioning for Tree Alive and it, enabling us to connect in a greater capacity to an emerging generation that each generation seems to get further and further away from God further and further away from church, further and further away from the Bible. And really the Bible is the key to all of it. And so uh, if there's one thing that's been kind of being forgotten or being not valued anymore in our society today is the Bible, the authority and validity of it, the relevance of it. And I want to talk about that for a moment and who we are as a church and how we can address that. So um, let's go on the journey this morning. So uh, really, as we talked last week, a generation, I'm talking about those over 40, under 40. But we know there's emerging generations like millennials and then Gen Z, and we need to be positioning ourselves to reach them or we will become irrelevant. In fact, I don't know that you know this, but when you read studies on church, and I do, and I follow all that, I go to all the meetings, I get all the emails and all that kind of stuff. But every week, 200 churches close their doors every week. 200 close their doors every week in America. 10,000 churches close their doors in a year. And those that open their doors do not keep up with that pace. We're losing ground as a church. 85% of churches in America are plateaued or declining. That's not the case here, praise the Lord, but I'm telling you, if we're not intentional, and there, there, let me say it this way, there's a responsibility therefore, or if we're not intentional in making the shift and reaching this next emerging generation, then we will find ourselves one of those statistics. But the, the thing I wanna emphasize too is we can do it without compromising truth. <clears throat> we can love without compromising truth. And so we'll talk about that today. Really, one of our focuses as a first fruit year, as a church, as making this shift, really one of the difference makers really is the validity of the word of God and making sure that we are connecting not only who we are, but emerging generations with the word of God, which changes not, amen? 
Cultures change, society change, ideas, opinions, philosophies change. The word does not change. But let's start Matthew 13, 52. Here's what it says in the Amplified. He said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out his treasure, things that are new and fresh and things that are old and familiar. New and fresh and old and familiar. Not new and fresh. The old and familiar is done, is gone. It takes both. Amen. And I'm thankful to be a part of not only a church that celebrates diversity with race or culture, but with age. And we are blessed here to have both new and fresh and old and familiar. And that doesn't mean that when this new emerging generations come in order to reach them, we discard the old and familiar. In fact, that is a lie of the devil. And you don't have to pick one over the other. In fact, you cannot effectively reach an emerging generation without the old and familiar. <laughs> we need your maturity. We need the experiences of life. We need uh, to know what you've walked through and how to walk through them. In fact, the Bible says that the older are to mentor the younger, the older women, the younger women, the older men. That's why there should be a whole bunch of groups out there being led by over 40 for people that are under 40 and investing in that emerging generation. And so we all can work together. I believe that's part of who we are and what we've done and what we'll continue to do to be not only new and fresh, but old and familiar. Um, but I believe today we're going to talk about the thing that makes it happen. And that begins with the Bible. How many of you brought a physical paper Bible with you to service? Hold it up. Let me see that. Come on, everybody. Come on. Okay, this is the younger crowd. <laughs> First service is, you know, more people had the Bibles, but, I, but you know, I know our, our generations is changing, our culture and society is changing, but I, I have a, I'm, I'm going to show you some of mine. I have some, I was looking, thinking about this and I was just going through some stuff and it made me wonder about my Bibles and I, I preach off my iPad or, or some notes the guys get. This is my everyday Bible. I have this at home. This is kind of my everyday reading Bible. It's at NIV. And then I thought, I wonder, wonder, wonder how many Bibles I have at home and this thing back to the Bible. And then I started looking and, and I was a little embarrassed that I had so many Bibles. And I think we've become more collectors of the Bible than connectors with the Bible. Okay. Hey, and I'm speaking to me, so I've already, but I've already processed this over days. They're just hearing it right now. Okay. And so I had some Bibles in here. I thought I, I had, I, it seems like I have a collection of Bibles, but let me, let me show you one right here and be careful so it doesn't fall apart. This Bible was the Bible my dad got me before I went to Bible school. I graduated 92, and it's wore out, and it's got notes and stuff in it, and I, and I love that Bible. Then when I, got, when I graduated and got ordained, my dad got me this Bible, a study Bible, and then I started taking notes in that one, but then I couldn't throw away or get, I thought, you can't throw away the Bible, that lightning will strike or something, so I, I, I just, so they're propping up books, and I don't know, you know, whatever, de decor, no. And then I got this Bible when I was sitting as the pastor, and it's usually in a box, it has my name as leather, it smells really good, but I, I got that Bible, and, I, and then I thought, I was looking for Bibles, and I... I thought, well, then I have, a, I have a Spanish Bible, but I don't speak Spanish. I have, I have a Chinese Bible. I have a Hindu Bible. I have a Vietnamese Bible. And then back in the day when you're getting Bibles, you had to have a Bible for every translation because you didn't have the internet like it was today. So I have an NIV, New King James, King James, NASB, CEV, NLT, Message Bible. Come on. I'm like, Bible's everywhere. I got more Bibles. If I brought all my Bibles, I have to take the box truck to my house, load them up and come and bring them here. And I got to thinking about that, thinking, man, I only need one, but I need to use it. Doesn't do me any good. None of it does me any good if I don't connect with it, if I don't use it and get involved in that. And, and let me just ask this morning, and, and if you don't, please don't feel embarrassed and, and be courageous this morning. And how many of you in here would say that you don't, even, you don't even own a paper Bible? Who doesn't own a paper Bible and would want one? You don't own one and want one. Right there? Okay, lady on the fourth, raise your hand again. I got one for you. It's an, I already filled it out from Pastor Don Duncan and Tree of Life Church and the date on there. Yeah. 
a collector's item. No, I'm just kidding. Don't put it on eBay. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Fill your name out on there. But I want you to know, and I forgot this first service, if you don't have a paper Bible, you know, and you, and you want one, we want to get one to you. And so at the end of service or whenever, you can fill out that blue card and just fill out your name and information, put Bible on there, and we're going to make sure that everybody wants a paper Bible, gets a paper Bible. I mean, you know, that's a good idea. Come on, we can do that, right? Come on. We can do that. So, you know, for centuries, the Bible uh, has been uh, looked at or is the number one selling book, you know, for centuries, the, the top seller. It'll never be outsold. It's been the most read book. And it seems like, however interesting that is, and we celebrate that for sure, the emerging generations are not so interested in it. It seems like an old book written by men, and it's not really connecting. Is it even really relevant today? And today, it's not necessarily getting a paper Bible. I I know, I'm glad I have some, but, you know, we're into the downloads, right? We got the Bible apps, and we can download all kinds of things. But, you know, the, the new generation, though, however, is looking differently upon the Bible, not just a paper Bible, but even a, a downloaded one. Uh, their idea is that it's, um, it's old and it's kind of outdated and there's different ways of thinking today. There's a lot of skepticism, skepticism towards the Bible. There are many different thoughts floating around out there. In fact, just because of the age we live in, access to internet, there's so many things being put on there to challenge the Bible. And I want to say what's changed everything, and we know really that the internet changed everything, but what's changed everything is, I don't know how many of you have a Bible, but how many of you have one of these, right? Come on, show up proud, right, proud, right? Put your light on, light it up, let's turn the lights off, let's have a moment. Uh, No, let's not do that. Um, But (laughs) the mobile phone, the cell phone, whatever you call that, it's changed everything. And now I have access to the Bible, just a, a touch of a couple buttons and really this phone has changed everything and changed our culture and and when the the church first started in 1981 there wasn't like online bibles there wasn't right there wasn't like the internet you can just access everything in fact I remember my dad and I have a lot of my dad stuff here but I remember my dad was studying for a message he didn't have the internet so my dad would get he would use how many have a strong concordance how many have a strong concordance come on somebody know what I'm talking about yeah it's like usher can you come get this usher so my dad this is the strongest concordance. But you had to have more than just that because you wanted to teach everybody what the words meant in Greek and Hebrew. So you had to have a Greek and Hebrew study Bible. And then, you know, you wanted to have great Bible illustrations and quotes. So you had to have a Bible ultimate book of illustrations and quotes. And then you wanted to see what the other translations, and you didn't want a big stack of Bibles that you're looking through all these translations. So my dad actually had this, which is mine now, who kind of bent it, but it's the word Bible from 26 translations all in one Bible. Come on, somebody. 26 translations all in one Bible that this changed everything right access there but with this came all the blessing and benefit of having all that in one but it also opened the door up to a whole bunch of stuff it opened the door up to a whole bunch of stuff that none of us have some of it none of us have any business looking at and different thoughts and mindsets out there that are challenging the validity of God's word today. And now you can, you can Google or YouTube or whatever, and you're looking at stuff that and not only of it, you, just, you don't just stumble on stuff, it's like intentionally out there for you to find, and it's attacking the, the authenticity of the word, it's attacking the authority of the word, it's attacking the validity of the word today. And there's emerging generations that have access to so much information, it's challenging, Lord, if the Bible is even significant anymore. And it's the culture that's coming up that really is the challenge the most with this. And so culture has shifted. And, and Jesus knew that when he made this statement in Luke 5, 36 through 39. He said this, Luke 5, 36 through 39. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of, from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear and also 
the piece that was taken out. The old does not match. The new does not match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst and wineskins will be spilled and wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new for he says, the old is better. And what he's saying here is like, you can't live in this thing saying the old is better. The packaging has to look different. It has to evolve. It has to transform. And so we just can't sit here and say that this is better. We have to learn to how to adapt and use this, but still address the validity and the power and authority of God's word. Even though today there's so many other dissenting voices now. And so we have to make that shift and learn how do we connect people to the authority of the Bible. We got to get back to the Bible, everybody. That's just the truth of all of it. And we have to be people that knows how to do that. Amen. We have to be people that knows how to do that because it is under attack like never before. And so I think there's some ways that we can present the truth and love with that. So here's the problem. We have to make a shift because you can't accommodate the newness of what the Holy Spirit is doing if you're living in the oldness of what he did. God's doing a new thing. We celebrate that stuff. That means he's not doing it the old way. And we have to understand the culture that we live in today and make this shift, especially the over 40, to reach the under 40 or emerging generations. It's going to take some intentional work. That's why I believe 2020 is significant for us. It seems like the older we become, the more we want to live in our old traditions, our old methodologies, our old ways. We lose sight of what God is doing on the earth called a new thing, and God is doing a new thing and wants to help us navigate. Now, the, the phone can be awesome and help us in our learning, but it also has, gives you access to the world or things that we have no business seeing and experiencing. In fact, it shaped our emerging culture so much that there was a survey done with Gen Z, which are teenagers right now. What would you do in life if you could do anything? What would you do if you could do anything? 75% of Gen Zers want to be a YouTube star to make money. I didn't know you could make money on YouTube. And I'm like, why isn't the church making money on YouTube then? All right, get on there. I don't, what do you do with that? Hey, if you can make money on YouTube, two things. Number one, put God in the middle of it. And number two, tithe, tithe off of it. All right, just, all right. And you're following. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, listen, so 33% of millennials want to be YouTube stars and make money. And I'm like, that's emerging generations. We have to understand that. Emerging generations are being introduced to a world that strays away from the Bible and it causes us to stay. It causes them to stay away from or question the word of God. Emerging generations are questioning the validity and authority of the Bible, making it more challenging to reach them. There were times in boomer generations and Gen Xs that you could say, well, it's in the Bible. And you weren't challenged or it wasn't challenged. Not any longer today. That's challenged. That idea is challenged. And we can't just say it's in the Bible. And in fact, I think the shift is more from our generations where we would go, our go-to would be the Bible. And really now your go-to has to be Jesus because they're not going to love the Bible until they love Jesus first. And if we're not, we're not understanding the shift, we're trying to tell them what the Bible says and the Bible is this and the Bible's that. And they're like, so what? But if you can get them to love Jesus, then we can work on them loving the Bible and walking out. That's why we can love and not compromise truth. In fact, if you understand the scriptures, we'll get there in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus was the word made flesh. It's one and the same, if you will. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we got to get them to love Jesus first, and then we can get them to the Bible. But, the, but it's important for us to understand that. Um, it really starts with the question being asked by the emerging generations, do I, really, do I really believe the Bible's relevant today? 
It was a book written thousands of years ago over the span of 1,500 years by 40 different authors inspired by the Holy Spirit. Is that still relevant today? And the answer is yes. The Bible is the only thing that's never changed and never will. It's the only thing that will never change, will stay the same through emerging generations and changing cultures and changing generations. The Bible is the only thing that will remain and stay the same. It is the constant in life. So Paul writes a letter concerning the future in 2 Timothy 3. He says this, verses 12 through 6, New Living Translation. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you say you're a Christian or you mention the Bible today, you're going to get it from somebody. But that's okay. But evil people and imposters will flourish. We see that today, right? They're on YouTube. They're on the internet everywhere. They'll deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true for you know you can trust those things. You can trust those who taught you. You have been taught. Listen to this. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Not everybody, but you who have. Stay steady. Stay connected to the truth. Stay. Bring the Bible back. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture, say all scripture. All scripture. Not just the ones you like. You can't discount the ones you don't like. Not just the ones that make you feel good. And you can't discount the ones that make you feel not so good. You can't, we're talking all scripture. Doesn't matter what legislation or politics say, doesn't matter what culture says, doesn't matter what society, doesn't matter what prevailing thought says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true. Listen to the importance of it. It's to help teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, which is why people don't like it and teaches us to do what is right, but we need it. And emerging generations, are finding it less and less important and relevant to life. And you just can't beat, the, beat them over the head with the Bible, right? You can't do that anymore. We have to make that shift. The answer is yes, the Bible is the only thing that has never changed. It is inspired by God, penned by man under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to teach us what's right and wrong and to navig- help us navigate life. And then Paul writes something interesting in the next chapter, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, New Living Translation. For a time is coming, he's talking about an emerging generation, for a time is coming in the future when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers on YouTube and on the internet who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Is that not where we are today? We have to bring back the Bible and not be afraid to do that and not beat somebody over the head with it. There's a way that we can do that, right? We can love and not compromise truth. They will uh, regret or they will look beyond and reject the Bible and what it says and chase after other things. They reject anything that makes them feel uncomfortable or does not make them feel good. In the church today, there are... Let me, say, let me say this, and I want to say this nice and not mean, or and I don't mean it mean, but in the church today, there are many churches that are shifting their theologies to agree with what people want to hear. And if you're a visitor, please come back. If you're a tree of lifer, please stay. Because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God and the salvation. <laughs> And we can love and still not compromise truth. And I know that there are churches today, man, you can just turn the news on and stuff. There's a big denomination just recently, last two weeks, that's totally shifting or splitting because people are now believing one thing that's not even lining up with the word of God. 
And we see that, but we don't just see that in denominations, and we can rattle off a, a whole bunch that we've seen do that over the, over the last few years. Even non-denomination churches or independent churches now are, are, are changing and shifting to, to, to comp, comp, in my judgment. It's not in the Word. I just say it that way. And I know the pressure from culture and society, but that's not going to help us reach people. If we're going to look like the world, why are the world going to want what we have? And so we have to stay true to the Word of God. Now, there are people making those changes all the time because we are trying to adjust the Scripture to fit our life instead of adjusting our life to fit the Scripture. God wrote it right the first time. So we choose our way, and we've asked God to agree with us. And we said last week, you don't have to compromise truth to love people. People, uh, people love Jesus. They have to love Jesus before they'll love the Bible. So we start with connecting all people to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Then we can connect all people to the Bible or reconnect them as the case may be. And remember last week we said we do this through humility and love. And so it comes to the, the, the emerging generation. And when it comes to the Bible and America, there are three things we see happening now. And let me give you them. Number one, we see increased skepticism. It's just the truth. The world we live in today and the emerging generation, we see increased skepticism. There are more questions about the origin or relevance and authority of the scripture than ever before. The second thing we see is we see a new moral code. A new moral code has emerged. It's a self-sufficient moral code, so it's self-determined. Our moral code is self-determined. We self-determine what is good and what is bad. We're not no longer operating by a moral code by a divine or higher power, God. And so we can see the result of that in our culture and society today. We're operating by what feels good or what seems good to Alpha, to us, a self-sufficient moral code, if you will. Uh, there's a digital access we see today like never before. Some good for the Bible. We talked about that. Some not so good for the Bible, attacking the Bible. And I regularly, I regularly have discussions with people concerning the Bible based on what they've seen and read. And I don't mind having those discussions, to be honest with you, but you need to have an answer. And you can't just say, well, it's in the Bible anymore. You need to have an answer for that. And so all this is creating a culture today that is an unfriendly, that is unfriendly to Christianity and the Word of God. In fact, it really is, it's like the, it's like the, each year the number of people who don't believe in the Bible is increasing. And more and more people are believing that, listen, more and more I believe people are believing the Bible to be harmful. The teachings in the Bible, to be judgmental, to be divisive. And the people who live by its principles are destructive and divisive and dangerous and prejudiced and and hypocrites and they're out of touch. And that's more and more what we see. And the new emerging moral code is being self-sufficient. It's moving the authority of our morality from something outside like the Bible speaking to us to something on the inside where we are our own authority. And the self has become the spiritual moral compass. And so I want to give you some examples of a survey based on a new moral code of self-sufficiency that we see in these emerging generations. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Uh, let me give you the first one on the screen. Uh, you'll see number one here in this new moral code of self-sufficiency. You'll see that. Um, let's see. Did I, did I miss that one? Here we go. Fulfillment in life comes from pursuing things you desire most. Here's, here's, the, here's when you become the one that manages the moral code. Fulfillment in life comes from pursuing the things you desire most. 91% of adults agree. 76% of practicing Christians agree with that today. 76% agree with that today, which conflicts with the Bible. 
It's because you're no longer your own when you become Jesus. I mean, when you become saved, you belong to Jesus. Jesus is, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not my will, but God's will. In order to find your life, the scripture says you have to lose it or you have to surrender to Jesus. So just that alone conflicts between scripture and even most practicing Christians today. Uh, let me give you a, uh, number two, what number two says here uh, on the screen uh, today, it says this, I can believe uh, anything I want as long as my beliefs don't affect society or anybody else. Have you ever heard that? Hey, listen, everything you do affects somebody around about you. Everything. 79% of all adults agree with that. 61% of practicing Christians believe or agree with that. Uh, number three, the goal in life is to enjoy it as much as possible. 84% of adults agree. 67% of all practicing Christians agree that life is about their happiness. Life is about my desires. Life is about what makes me happy. That conflicts with the Bible. Best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. Best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. 91% of adults believe that to be true. 76% of practicing Christians too believe true, and that conflicts with the Bible. The best way to find yourself is to look for Jesus. The best way for the creation to know why it was created is to ask the creator. Amen. And I didn't put this one on your survey, but I'll read it anyways. I didn't put it down, but any kind... Here's a self-sufficient moral code. Um, Any kind of sexual expression today between two consenting adults is acceptable. 69% of all adults agree with that, and 40% of practicing Christians agree with that statement, as if the Bible didn't have anything to say about sex. 40%. That's the world, the emerging world that we're living in today. That's what they're embracing, and that's what they're believing, and all that conflicts with the scripture. That's why the Bible and God is the one who keeps our moral code and it's not based on us or our outside circumstances because God has something to say. And can you can see that emerging generations are questioning everything the Bible has to say about marriage, about gender, about identity, about money, about sin. It's questioning everything. And so let's look for a minute and see what we know, a little bit of Bible, little Bible literacy test right here for all of us. I'm going to show you four statements on the screen. I'm going to show you those. We'll have percentages of those surveyed to see what they answer. I won't ask you to raise your hand for any of those, but you can look and see. Let's put those four things up here. These are all sayings that people feel they've come from the Bible, they believe it's from the Bible. Let me see if you can nail the one that you think is the correct one. Um, here we have that, uh, to, thine own, to thine own self be true. believe that's from the scripture. God helps those who help themselves. 23% believe that's from the scripture. The truth will set you free. 24% believe it's from the scripture. And here's the top vote getter. God works in mysterious ways. 36% believe that's from scripture. How many would vote? Which one would you vote for? What's the right one? Three. Three. Number three is the only one that's from the Bible. It's the only one. But yet the number one vote getter has considerably more votes for it, and the one right behind it, God helps those who help themselves, was just barely right behind the truth. People don't know. I'm like, well, it's in the Bible. No, it's not. (laughs) You got to read it to know what's in there. And so we got to get back to the Bible because we're believing things to be true that aren't true. Just because somebody said it or we found it on the YouTube or whatever else. We need to learn it for ourselves. We got to get back to the Bible. People don't know what's in the Bible. Oh, I believe the Bible. Hey, I talk to people all the time, so I believe the Bible. And like they're struggling, like let's just say in area finances, and, and they're like, oh, I believe the Bible. And I say, great, are you tithing? No. It's in the Bible. 
I mean, we could use countless illustrations. Listen, are you going to believe the Bible or you're not? You need to read it and find out what's in there. And so we can talk about future generations and, 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 and the Bible, and, and we have to make sure that we're understanding that we need to bring back the Bible and stay connected and have it a part of our life. And this is so important, especially for those under 40 to understand and over 40, because we have to help that happen. We need to reach the next generation. When you're over 40, you should be busier for Christ than you were before. Why? Because now you know something. <laughs> now you've earned something. Now you can give something. Now you can serve. Come on, somebody. Now you have a maturity or should have a maturity to invest in the younger generations or the emerging generation. You can't be someone that says, I put my time in or I did my part. Well, show me that in the Bible that you're done until you're standing before Jesus one day. Because the Bible's very clear about the older teaching the younger and being involved in this. You need to be thinking, how can I connect myself as a spiritual mentor? How can I connect myself as a spiritual mother or father to the next generation? How can I lead a group that will connect people, young moms or other people? How can I do that to reach other people? Let me give you the answer. The Bible will be the key to self, uh, to set young people apart from the world. The Bible is so important. It will be the key to set young people apart from the world. How young people respond to the Bible, accepting it, reading it, sets the tone for how they'll live either for the world or for Jesus. We just got to introduce them to Jesus. No, that's the starting point. You got to get them to love Jesus before they'll love the Bible, but then we have to take them on a Bible journey. And not in a judgmental, hard kind of way, right? With the humility and love. We gotta, but we got to model it. We got to live it. We got to know what's in it. Paul's warning, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy. Understand that Timothy was a millennial pastor. Last week we talked about millennial Jesus. Paul's writing to a millennial pastor right now, and he says, Timothy, that in the last days, hey, in emerging generations, there's going to be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. They'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And he says this, stay away from those people. To which we would say to our kids, stay away from those people. Or if you don't have a relationship with Jesus through the word, you'll be one of those people. Because the Bible's what tells us what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. And so Paul is speaking to the millennial Timothy and he's giving him a warning. How do young people live according to the word when put into a worldly environment is hugely important to us today, to them. There was a study on teenagers in the Bible by uh, One Hope Ministries. They did a survey in 44 different nations on Bible and teens. And here's what their, here's what their survey, uh, here's what their survey uh, came up with uh, when, in relation to Bibles and teens. Teens with high level of Bible engagement have better relationships and purpose for living. Teens with high level of Bible engagement engage significantly in significantly less sexual activity, substance abuse, crime, lying, and physical aggression. How many things are we trying to do to manage or control that when the Bible is the answer to that? Teens with a high level of Bible engagement are nine times more likely to believe the Bible provides a clear and indisputable disputable description of moral truth. Teens with high level of Bible engagement are 10 times more likely to find their faith is important to them. 
Teens with high level of Bible engagement are nearly four times more likely to believe that prayer can change what happens in life. We need to bring the Bible back. We need to find ways to connect ourselves, connect our teens, connect our kids with the Bible. And there's a way to do it that we can do it in love and not compromise truth. Most parents have no engagement with children concerning the Bible because they have no engagement in the Bible for themselves. So we gotta, we gotta find a way to do that. Parents, what are, you, what are you doing? Here's the question, parents, what are you doing with your kids and teens concerning the Bible? You can't just leave it up to church. You can't. Are you, do you have a plan? Do you have, do you have a plan for this? Do you, do you teach them scripture, talk about scripture with them in the home? And I would say this, I wish I did more of that or I wish I did a better job of that. So hey, I'm preaching to everybody here. No condemnation here. But listen, whatever happened, happened from here this point forward. We need to bring the Bible back and we're gonna help you do that. Churches are to partner with you. So if a child can see their mother and father reading the Bible on a regular basis, it sets the tone for the children to do that. If they don't engage, if parents don't engage in the Bible at home, their kids won't end up in the, engaging in the Bible. And it's not just the Bible. I want to encourage you, parents. If you don't read the Bible, they won't. If you don't pray, they won't pray. If you don't go to church regularly, they won't go to church regularly. If you don't serve, they won't serve. If you don't give, they won't give. If you don't praise, they won't praise. If you don't worship, they won't worship. That's just the reality of it. The good news is you can do all that, right? And we can do all that together. We got to do these things. The Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go and he'll not depart from a path. We need to emphasize the importance of the Bible while they are young. And I love our children's ministry and, and, and student ministries because we're connecting kids and teenagers to the Bible. But parents, we only get them an hour or two hours a week. We want to work and partner with you. Let me give you number two we need to do. The Bible will be our guide for cultural discernment. We need the Bible because it will be our guide for cultural discernment, especially in an ever-changing culture that we live in today. You need cultural discernment. Young people, you need cultural discernment because we're looking at changing cultures which changes constantly. You need cultural discernment to decide between what is right and what is wrong. We need to discern what do I do with my life? What do I do with my life? Whatever I want? What's the popular job today? YouTube? Or should I ask God? God, what should I do with my life? And God will speak to you through the Bible. The Bible will help you discern what you're to do with your life. We talked last week that um, people by the time they're 30 change careers seven times. By the time they're 30. We need an emerging generation to connect with the Bible. We need to help them do that model it because they need to discern what they're to do with their life. The Bible will help discern who should I marry. And some of you are saying, that's right, I should have read the Bible more before I did that one, right? I mean... I can't marry, I'm not just here to marry whoever I want, but whoever God puts in my life to marry. And God's gonna bring a certain kind of person in your life to marry. He's gonna bring, God's gonna, God brings him in your life, he's gonna bring someone who loves Jesus. He's not gonna bring a project. He's not gonna bring a, a mission, a missionary dating, right? He's not, it's like, you wanna talk about a bad mission trip? Come on, right? That's like a lifelong bad mission trip. It'll help you discern that. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship does a believer have with unbelievers, especially in marriage. And those of you who have been married or are married would give me a big old amen on that one. Come on. All right? Amen. Let me say this, young people, the most important decision you make after Jesus Christ is who you marry. Because who you hook yourself up to will make you or break you. 
It'll be, your marriage can be the closest thing on earth to heaven or hell that you'll experience. Sometimes in the same day. <laughs> not, not ours, honey, not ours. It's only heaven. You're heaven. I guess that would make me the other. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. But I'll take it right now. The Bible helps you discern how to think and handle money. All these business gurus and all that, you know the principles that work, you know where they ultimately came from? The word. They're all Bible-based. Dave Ramsey, I love Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey's just reteaching the Bible, packaging it differently. The Bible will help you manage your money, but you gotta do it the way the Bible says, God's way. The Bible will show you how to manage your finances, how how to be blessed and how to have enough to enjoy and how to have enough to be blessed, to pass an inheritance down and to help other people. If you believe it and do it, God says when you trust me, then he'll bless you. God has a financial plan that leads to blessing and to be a blessing. There's better decisions, good counsel. All that answer can be found in the Bible. You need to discern, be able to discern. The Bible says, we saw the scripture, will help you discern between good and evil and right and wrong. And let me give you the third one. The Bible will be the truth that you can build your life upon no matter what generation you are in, no matter what society and culture looks like. It is the only foundation that will last forever. It should be your foundation. Some of us grew up, I did not, I was blessed. I grew up with my dad. I had a good solid foundation in the Word. Some of you, your foundation right now is a little sandy. It's not on the rock. The Bible says, Jesus says you can build your house on the rock. You know he's speaking about there? He's speaking about the Word. You study that out. He says, build your house on the word. You build on anything else. When storms of life come, it'll fall. He says, the word is the only foundation to build your life on that will stand, and storms do come. He says, build your life, your future on the word of God. Truth is being challenged more and more, and it's something we have to be aware of. It's important to believe the truth. Let me say it this way. It's important to believe the truth of God's word, not your truth, not society truth. Really, there's two kinds of truth, right? There's a truth. And it may be something like you just, you don't feel good or you feel sick or the truth is, a truth might be, I I don't feel good today, but the truth will be, you may not feel good today, but by his stripes you have been healed and he's a healer. You have to believe, you have to choose what truth you're gonna believe. It's not denying one, it's putting one as a greater authority, the truth of God's word, the truth. Not a truth or your truth, but the truth. Emerging generations are dealing with hearing things that are, that say things like many different paths lead to God, that there are many different truths out there. Public figures will say things, and I'll never understand why my sports figures or celebrities or political figures will, will say things and we just believe it, like if it's contrary to the scripture. Like somebody might say something like, well, all paths lead, lead to God. Okay, well, that conflicts with where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can go to the Father except through me. I don't care how big a following you have on Twitter. I don't care what movies you made. I don't care what records you broke in sports. I don't care what office you're running for. If it conflicts with the Bible, it's not the truth. So we have the truth. And you'll hear, you'll hear things today like, I'm not a Christian, but I'm spiritual. What does that mean? I'm spiritual. Does that mean your own, you're your own spiritual thought? Well, who do you pray for? Are you praying for you to answer your need? Because it's kind of sad if you don't have a higher power, a God to pray for in your time of need. And I don't mean that to be funny. I'm just saying this is the way the thinking that has crept in the world today and all that's available. I'm thinking about that. We're all spiritual. We're, we all have a spirit. Some of those people that say, well, I'm spiritual. I'm like, well, what should I cast out of you then? <laughs> but, it, but we see the emerging generation doesn't understand those things because they question the Bible. 
That's why we have to get back to the Bible and live according to the Bible and not beat them over the head with the Bible when we're not living that way. Let them see our life and let them love Jesus, therefore they'll love the Bible. But understand that the Bible says in John 1, 1, then in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Then you jump down to verse 14. It says the Word became flesh and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus. You can't just love Jesus and not love or live by the Bible. I'm loving Jesus, but that book doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it's one and the same. So the Bible says in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the living expression of the Bible. He, he lives, he is the Bible in, in, in life when he lived here. We have to understand that. When people are believing something different. The, the word says truth, uh, the world says truth is relative. The world says truth is changing. The world says that there is no absolute truth. Let me tell you what Jesus said, John 8, 31 through 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in me and you are my disciple, and you abide in my word and you are my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Your freedom is determined by how much truth you have in you. Your freedom is determined by how much truth you have in you. Therefore, your bondage, your chains, your addictions, your sin are present because somewhere you believed a lie and turned it into truth. We believe something else to be true, and we bought into that, and we turned it into our truth. And we don't have the freedom but bondage because it says that the truth, the freedom that you walk in is determined by how much truth you have or believe in you. That's why we need something on the outside or outside of ourselves to counteract our truth because that outside, the word of God reveals the truth. So we can't just go by what we believe and what we hear. We have to have a guide. John 17, 14 through 17 says this, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Leave them there. But they are not, no, I'm sorry, he's saying leave them there. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So sanctify, change their thinking, cleanse their mind by your truth. The word helps get our thinking right, cleanses our thinking. And it says, what's that last phrase? Your word is truth. Your word, God, is truth. Your word is truth, God. And that's how we live. Your word is truth. Jesus was trying to get across to them and to us that once he left the earth, he was going to point them to the scriptures to guide them from that point forward. The word will give them or guide them forward in truth when he's gone. And again, because they are one in the same. Jesus was the physical expression of the word. He left the word for us. How can you love Jesus and not believe the word? Jesus and the word is the only source of truth that you can build your life on. See, we were warned in the scripture about false teachers, false teachings that would come to convince us it's not true. And my big question for the church is, will the church continue to believe and preach the word of God even when it's unpopular? And I would say, Tree of Life, yes, this one will. And let me tell you, it's already unpopular. And standing up here, I can become pretty unpopular, but I believe more in what God says than what people say. But we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God in salvation. And we will preach the truth in love. In love. Come on. We want them first to love Jesus, and then we can love, they can love the Bible, and we can help them walk that out. 
case, we're all on a journey. None of us has arrived. We're also walking it out. We will remain connected to the truth even if it goes contrary to culture and society. We can love all people and not compromise the truth. No matter how much culture change, generation change, his word is the only thing that we can count on that will never, ever change. So we need to be a people of the word and not just rely on a sermon on Sunday to teach us the word. We gotta bring back the Bible. We gotta bring it back into our marriage. We gotta bring it back into our family. We gotta bring it back into our house. We gotta bring it back in our own personal time. And I wanna tell you how we do that. We've done the best we can to try and provide opportunities for you. Groups is a big way that you do that. Everybody needs to be in a group. We have growth track and we have next steps. Those are big things to get plugged into. But I'm gonna tell you something that we wanna try and create for you, opportunities to bring that into your home and into your life. Because understand that you have access to truth, the Bible, the rest of your lives, every day should you choose to engage with it. So we have on our app, a Tree Life app. Everybody needs to download the Tree of Life app through wherever you download apps from. And so <laughs> over 40 is like, where, where do you get that app from? And I was like, I don't know, I can't tell you. Um, so hit, right here, you'll see on, our, on the bottom of our Tree of Life app, that menu bar at the bottom, you'll see there where that arrow's pointing to the Bible. That's a Bible reading plan. Just get the app. Every day, get up, pull it up, hit that Bible reading plan, and you'll see every day of the week, we'll give you passages of scriptures to read. We made it as easy as we possibly could. Then we have, we have something that we call Right Now Media. We want to connect everybody to that we provide. We pay, we pay for that. The church invests in that regularly money. So anybody that wants to can access Right Now Media. And you'll see through the app, we have ways that you can do that as well. You go to the app and you click on Right Now Media. And if you don't already, aren't already registered with Right Now Media, it takes just 30 seconds to register. You can see the process there. If you are already registered through Right Now Media, you can go to the app, click on Right Now Media, it will take you to the page and you can put Tree of Life or Tree content, um, resource content, and you'll already see under our content page, you'll see Tree Kids and Tree Students. Already our children's pastor and our student ministry pastor has already downloaded tons of resources for you. You just go there and click on it. You can get with your kids in a Bible study. You can get with your teens in a Bible study. Our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our marriage ministry is soon to download more resources. If is going to have a component on there, some other things like that. We've done everything we can to make it as easy as possible for you to connect to the Word of God. All we, that's all we can do. The rest is up to you. And I hope this message will help motivate you to do that. And then many of you probably already are connected to the YouVersion, YouVersion Bible uh, app and have a, a reading plan. But listen, church, we have got to bring back the Bible. And this is a first fruit year. If we can start some of these things now, if we can implement some disciplines in our lives and for our families like this, then I'm telling you, this will set us up for an amazing decade, no matter what happens with culture and emerging generations. And we will be positioned then to reach the emerging generations and be relevant to them instead of fall into irrelevancy like so many other places. And I want to encourage you to get on board and bring back the Bible in your family and in your life. It is a difference maker and we can still love and not compromise truth. And I believe that's the call for Tree of Life. I believe that's for everybody, and we need to be about that. <clears throat> it's a first fruit year. I want to close with this scripture, Romans 12, 2, New Living Translation. Listen, we need to be sure. We need to be sure that we are not copying the behavior and customs of this world. And we're not going to judge, and we're not going to beat anybody over the head with a Bible, and we're not going to be religious or all that. We can still protect the truth and still be his life, love, and power on the earth, but we will not copy the behavior and custom of this world, but we will be wise about the time that we live in. 
But we'll let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I will make this guarantee and promise to you. If this year, 2020, is your first fruit year and you'll engage in some of the things like the worship times we'll have and the fasting times and prayer times. And if you will engage in a consistent Bible reading, you will be transformed. Your marriage will transform. Your life will transform. Your family will transform. Your kids will transform. It is a promise of the word of God, but you got to do it. And we got to bring back the Bible. Amen. Amen. Tree life. We're going to bring back the Bible and we're going to make it a part of our everyday life. And we're going to be a, be, we're going to position ourselves therefore to reach this emerging generation for Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about tree of life church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.